Hello, and welcome to The Fizzle Show. That's not my best answer. I don't know why I did it that way, but this is The Fizzle Show. What's up, everybody? This is The Fizzle Show, where every week we're publishing conversations. We're like a publishing house of conversations that are about building your own business, about doing your own thing, building independent financial financial wealth. But not just financial wealth. Isn't that right, Steph? It's all sorts of wealth. It's like family wealth. It's like... Free time wealth, Corbett knows what I'm talking about. It's live in Mexico for however long in the year that you want to wealth. Yeah. It's like, it's like we want to start businesses and then we want the businesses to work. But we want them to work a specific way, which is to say we want independent, you know, independence, frankly. We want freedom to be able to do with our time on this planet whatever the hell we want to do, you know, because it's like, you know, it's limited, right? So... What the hell? If I don't have to have a boss and I can make a group of people happy enough with my products or my services or something like that to keep me in business enough, then let's try to do that. Now, the problem is, for so many of us who try this out, is that it's not as easy as it sounds. Mm. It's like really hard to like not be, for example, in the feast or famine of client work, right? Where it's like things are going good, things are going good. And then like another part of the year, it's like, Ooh, things are drying up a little bit. Is everything okay? I kind of need to turn it on, right? So that feast or famine client services thing is ubiquitous. Everybody who's been in client services for a while knows about that. And it's one of those things we need help learning how to do. But that's just one of the things, right? The other thing is like learning to grow your email list. Why? Because email is just still like the the like this real strong lowest common denominator of actually getting someone to click your links and buy your things and be in relationship with them. I know social media, social media, social media, I know. But, and that's good, social media is like way outpacing email in so many other ways. But when it comes down to actually making the sale, people are still living in their inboxes in a lot of ways. I mean, not those whippersnapper millennials, you know. But I'm joined today by Steph Crowder. Say hi, Steph. Hey, everybody. And Corbett Barr. Corbett, say hi. Hey, what's up, guys? Oh man, I'm ready to get into this conversation because before we haven't we haven't like shared a lot of times before the call we'll we'll talk beforehand, sync up a little bit about what we're gonna see, what we're gonna say. Um, what I what I and oftentimes I find that that's some of the most valuable conversation. You know, that's some of the that's the thing I wish that if I was a podcast listener to this, I would want to listen to that stuff, right? That's what to me like a Joe Rogan podcast is or something like that. So I'm always I'm always keen on the nitty gritty and the the the, the how the do show, you make this pre show? I want the pre show. I want the post show. The show's good too, but I like the like I like the the honest uh, exploration of the topic. And so today, Corbett had this idea that we would do that about a specific topic that like we're all three of us were like yes let's talk about that that's so important that's so important so corbett what is it that like what is it we're talking about today yeah so i i texted you guys and i got like immediate thumbs up and and clapping emojis so that seemed like a good good sign always a good sign yeah. the uh the topic today is going to be how to cultivate true fans and we'll start by explaining what true fans are. This is a topic that's been around for a while. I love being, I love having been around in the internet a while because now we can recycle these ideas and a lot of people are like, what? What's that? Like, I haven't heard of that. That's amazing. So true fans is this concept that Kevin Kelly wrote about way back in 2008, 10 years ago. I can hardly believe that. Mm-hmm. This set the internet abuzz amongst the creator types. 
because the the title is 1000 True Fans. And I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs here from the beginning of his essay because I can't do it justice otherwise. And Kevin Kelly is just a brilliant writer. He uh, yeah. runs a blog. I mean, he's old too. He's like a, he's an elder. Yes. He's like, he is your elder. If you're not paying attention to or at least respecting Kevin Kelly in some way, you're missing a wide swath of the history of how you came to be trying to do a business on the internet. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. he is just, he started, uh, he, he founded Wired, did, Wired didn't he? Mm-hmm. Or he was early on in Wired? Yep. He's, like, he, so he's been a part of digital culture and talking about it for a really long time. Really sweet dude. He has a full on Amish beard. Very kind of like, you know, very down to earth, even as he's like wildly futuristic technologically. So this guy wrote this article that we're talking about. I mean, how was this a decade ago? Yeah. Yeah. And this Something is like this is probably his most famous work and it was actually reprinted in Tim Ferriss's uh Tools of Titans book recently. Mm. So Kevin Kelly in A Thousand True Fans says to be a successful creator you don't need millions. You don't need millions of dollars or millions of customers, millions of clients or millions of fans to make a living as a craftsperson, photographer, musician, designer, author, animator, app maker, entrepreneur or inventor, you only need thousands of true fans a true fan is defined as a fan that will buy anything you produce these diehard fans will drive 200 miles to see you sing they'll buy the hardback and paperback and audio audible versions of your book they will purchase your next figurine site unseen they will pay for the best of dvd version of your free youtube channel they'll come to your chef's table once a month if you have roughly a thousand of true fans like this also known as super fans then you can make a living if you are content to make a living, but not a fortune. Here's how the math works. You need to make, you need to meet two criteria. First, you have to have enough. You have to create enough each year that you can earn on average a hundred dollars profit from each true fan. That's easier to do in some arts and businesses than others, but it's a good creative challenge in every area because it is always easier and better to give your existing customers more than to find new fans. Second, you must have a direct relationship with your fans. That is, they must pay you directly. You get to keep all of their support, unlike the small percent of their fees you might get to keep from a music label, a publisher, studio, retailer, or other intermediate. If you keep the full $100 of each true fan, then you need only a thousand of them to earn a hundred thousand per year. That's a living for most folks. A thousand customers is a whole lot more feasible to aim for than a million fans. Millions of paying fans is not a realistic goal to shoot for, especially when you're starting out, but a thousand fans is doable. You might even be able to remember a thousand names. If you added one new true fan per day, it would only take you a few years to gain a thousand. So I love this for so many reasons. But I thought we could talk today about how to actually cultivate these true fans, because this is the dream for a lot of us. You know, we talk all the time on this show and at Fizzle about how the dream isn't about making millions. It's about, like you said at the opening of the show, it's about having not just monetary freedom, but lifestyle freedom as well. The freedom to do something you really care about, the freedom to spend your time as you see fit, and the freedom to be your own boss. And for a lot of people... That doesn't mean that they want to be wealthy. It just means that they want to earn a good, comfortable living. And the amazing thing is, a lot of times when you get to that good, comfortable living, all sorts of opportunities open up to make more. But just getting to this comfortable living isn't easy for most people. And 
Kevin really breaks it down here and sets your sights in a much more reasonable, manageable, doable way. And also, I think by focusing on true fans, it really hones in on what really matters as opposed to feeling this feeling like there's this massive faceless people out there that you have to like impress and do a song and dance and try to get to, you know, pay you a couple of bucks, which is so hard to do these days. And I think all three of us, I I brought this up because I think all three of us have experienced what true fans feel like. We have people who have followed each of us for years who buy everything from us and uh, who, you know, will come to meetups and and things, even though they don't live near us. And it, it's such a, a great feeling because you get to actually know who these people are and you can imagine that there must be more of them. So um, given that, I thought we could talk about how to cultivate these true fans for people who are thinking about going this direction, or even if you're thinking about building something more, just realizing that true fans are a foundation for any kind of business, any size business, because it really connects you with them. I love in here um, how he says, Second, you must have a direct relationship with your fans. I love mm. that. That that yeah. means you're actually talking to these people. You know, you're commenting, you're emailing, um, and they're paying you directly for certain things. You know. Okay. So, so hold on. It's what's interesting is there's a few of the answers for all of us in Kevin Kelly's little you know requirements already. Right. There's the direct relationship with the fans. Okay. Yep. This is required to cultivate true fans. Um, also you have to be able to make around a hundred dollars from each true fan. Now, obviously a hundred dollars is just a, it's just like a, a dart thrown at the board. It could be any number and then it could be sm- less, less money per client. And you just you have to get more clients or it could be more money per fan and you just have to get less fans. Right. But yeah. you have to get them to spend more money. <laughs> so the, the two things that I hear in that is this direct relationship and there's a product for sale. There's money being exchanged for the value you're offering them, right? I think a lot of people are running around trying, and I'm <laughs> speaking to myself here, trying just to be famous almost, right? Without actually charging money, without actually, uh, you know, you want to get people to like you because that feels like success. But if, if it's not actually trans, you know, uh, transferring into, into someone actually, actually putting in their credit card deals details on your sales page for something that you've made, then you are, you kind of always have to be a little dubious about how much value you're actually offering someone. You know what I mean? Because that to me is like the end all and be all measurement of value. And I honestly like living in the world where, where it's like, I'm committed to being so good. People who don't know me pay me. You know what I mean? I'm committed yeah. to, to like having such useful things for people. I'm committed to solve this problem so well, create such a compelling solution that people who don't know me will, will trust me and go for this thing because they've heard about it from people who have used it. Number one, first and for, foremost. And then secondly, they're finding it because it's being talked about on the, on the internet or something like that. Yeah. And this, I, I, I hope, um, just makes people feel better because, you know, how many YouTube celebrities are there out there? Massive YouTube celebrities, like a hundred or something. Yet there are tens of thousands of these kinds of people or, or more who are just kind of operating at this, this simple level where you probably haven't heard of them. And yet they're doing quite well for themselves because they've found a way to connect with real people uh, in a, a manageable way as opposed to just trying to be famous or whatever you said, 
Chase. Yeah. Yeah. What Steph, you, what do you, uh, yeah. What, what do you, you hear, Steph? Did you, did you, um, were you aware of this article back, back when Steph, or, or when did it come? When did you come across it first? You know, I've always heard about the concept of the, what is it? The thousand raving fans, I think is how I've heard of it before. I, I can't honestly say I knew who the, who the father of that concept was. So it, there is some news in there for me, for sure. Uh, 2008 is a little bit before my entrepreneurial time. <laughs> so uh-huh. I guess I was not aware of that when it came out, but it's really instructive. And I would say the only word that's really missing for me mm. in that clip or in that little soundbite is the word trust. As you were talking, mm. Corbett, the word trust is what comes up. Like that idea that we can all have fans who don't even necessarily fully understand what we're putting out there. They're the first people to put their money down. I'm just thinking of a personal example. This absolutely happened for me when I was launching my first course this past summer, uh, Crickets to Customers, which we've talked about here on the show. And my first few people who purchased as my early birds, I actually reached out and I said, what made you purchase this course? Because I was trying to understand what was you know, attractive to people as I was literally developing it before it existed. And some of the responses, I kid you not, people were like, honestly, Steph, I don't even really know what this course is, but it's from you. So I know it's going to be good. Yeah. And that's like the best compliment that you can receive as a creator of anything. But on top of that, uh, it just goes to show that to me, that's how I would define true trust as a entrepreneur and as a creative yeah. is if you've done, if you strive to do such a good job showing people that when you put something out there, it's going to be of value because you are always someone who's putting out value. They know that um, your free content is so great that the idea of buying a paid product mm-hmm. from you, they just know that it's going to be good. Yeah. And to me, that's really where this whole super fan thing really starts. It starts with how are you showing up every day? in the personal connection, but also in the free content you're putting out there, how are you showing people that when you do have something for sale, they have no doubt that it's going to be fantastic because that's the precedent that you've set for yourself and for your brand. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's so, so that's, that's the, uh, I guess we can say that's the first principle of, of curating true fans is consistency in creating great stuff over and Mm -hmm. over and over again, showing up, putting great stuff out there, whether it's free or paid, so right. that so that people just have this expectation that if you do something, it's going to be quality. So right? do you but but do you collapse that under the sort of uh, umbrella of trust, Corbett? Do you see it as cons- consistency as a separate thing from trust, or do you think that the consistency actually serves the relationship of trust? I th- yeah, I think consistency is one of the things that builds trust. Yeah. Right? It's basically trust means you know that you can expect certain things from someone or something. Yeah, and to expect certain things, you need to have repeated experience that that's how the relationship works or that's what this person does. And, um, you know, if you think about, we're talking about an individual creator, but you can extend this to bigger companies, right? You Mm -hmm. might trust a bigger company because every interaction you've had with them has been amazing. Like you think about um, Nordstrom's and their customer service. You just know that you're going to have a great relationship because they've been doing that for 30 years. Yeah. And, and you don't know of stories, you know, where people are like, yeah, Nordstrom's really screwed me. All you hear about is, oh, I wore this pair of boots for a year and they fell apart and I took them back and they were like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, totally. that sort of thing. Totally. Or, um, you know, for me, I, I'd say I'm a true fan of Sonos because yeah. I've, I've bought a bunch of different Sonos models. They've all been amazing. And so now when something comes out, I don't even have to go listen to it or see it. I can just order it and know it's going to be amazing because they've established that trust and that, that consistency. So that's definitely an important way to create true fans. I guess, um, 
you thinking about your true fans, Chase, the people that have followed you, you know, we, we would hear from people all the time at Fizzle that they had followed you like since Father Apprentice or something, right? Yeah. Which is, it's so crazy to me. me. It's so crazy <laughs> to me. You guys, this is a blog I started when I was a, like, well, like a social me, like I was a social marketing director at a startup, which basically meant I, I researched social media, how it was being used by other companies. And I tried to get my CEO to do some of that stuff, but it's like, it doesn't matter. We're selling such a complex technical product. It doesn't have any role to play in social media. You know what I mean? But <laughs> like, meaning the company did not need a yeah. Twitter account. <laughs> but, um, anyways, while I was doing that and a little bit even before that, I was just like on the side, like trying to be a blogger guy, like about fatherhood. You know, I think I was really, I've always been, this is like, I was always inspired by a, a comedian whose name I won't speak yet. Um, but like the way that that comedian talked about fatherhood, the struggle of like just the realness, like when you connect with other dads over how hard it is to be a dad, but you know, your whole ass is on the line for this kid for the rest of time. Do you know what I mean? It's like this yeah, weird. Bill Cosby was good. No, enough. not Cosby. <laughs> Ironically, of course, that's what you would think. I'm just kidding. But like, it wasn't Cosby, right? So, and Cosby was yeah. a guy for me for a long time, right? I mean, his book called Fatherhood was hilarious and deep. Um, so, anyways, I was into that because I, I, I had just become a dad, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was just not ready, and I explo- I exploited that. Some people would look at that and say, I exploited that moment to create raw, honest material online. That honesty and that rawness fostered trust, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of, yeah, there's, there's like, there's being consistent. But to me, the biggest thing is you got to be viscerally connected with them. Do you know what I mean? Which means for, for me, I'm talking about something that they're afraid to talk about. You know, there's just something about that, that like, that that uh that connects people you know when i tell my story about uh you know about things that have happened in our family or just things that we've gone through that were hard but we lived through it and people see me standing resilient after it they're like it just it kind of fosters trust you know it's like not everything is perfect for people and it never is and so it's like that's when i think of creating and fostering these true fans i see I see so much of the, of the message that we've given people again and again and again at Fizzle. And this is like, I see two skis. One of them is consistency. You can't get down the mountain with, on one ski. I don't know if you ever tried to ski with one leg, but you burn through your hammies in like 22 seconds. It's just so hard. Um, so you got to have two skis to get down the mountain. Well, and this is like the case sort of with everything I'm finding. Well, one ski here is the consistency. You just got to publish stuff. You just got to put stuff out. Every single Tuesday, we published a blog post at Fizzle for like, what, three and a half, four years. And before that, you were doing that for, for years before that at Think Traffic, right, Corbett? Yeah. And then we added the podcast. And it was Tuesday blog, Friday podcast. And eventually, we're like, we got to put these things together, right? We're just in negotiation with that consistency ski. But the other thing is... You've got to be, this is, and this is my, this is what I think. This is my, uh, you know, this is always what I've been like at school. I, I like, I was always trying to be an artist. You know, I always like felt like to say the thing that nobody else knew how to say, but everybody wished they could say is the way that you can create like interest in the stuff that you're making. Right. Um, 
I don't know. So I always went that way. But the truth is, as I'm thinking about it, it's like, no, no, no. You just have to do a little research and understand something that other, that other people want to understand, but they don't have the time to do it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so a lot, a lot, like the father yeah. apprentice thing was also just actually finding tips, tips and tricks, actually just useful things. So it wasn't like, I'm this amazing artist person. I, li- I like that. That was a motivation for me. Sure. But most of the people who stuck around, like they saw I was doing that and that was fine, but I was over the top about it. But these tips were actually kind of good. <laughs> you know, it actually kind of yeah. is helpful to, to put down the kid in the crib that way because they don't, it doesn't wake them up. It's a big deal. It's like a big deal. All right. I've been talking for a while. Someone mm-hmm. else talk. Well, no, but I, I love this. There's like a bunch of stuff to, to pull out of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the first thing that I take away from it is raw honesty. And that's something that you've always been really great about. In fact, a lot of people, I think, would feel uncomfortable sharing many of the things that you've shared about your life and what's going on over mm-hmm. the years. But that's just one of those touchstones that you come back to because it, it makes you feel better yeah. and and you know that it's going to be useful and instructive and and connective with other people yeah. which is which is amazing um and so you've got that raw honesty but you can be honest about things that aren't useful right, so right. you wrap that raw honesty into uh almost like a parable or something with a, with a a takeaway for people yeah. you know you you let people know like what i've learned from this and how it can be useful to others so there's something about that combination of raw honesty with useful substance yeah and i go back to all of our big posts i mean there's a lot of our big posts that are like you know 395 t- tools for for processing images online or something or for good for using images in your social media um but and some of those have gotten huge just because those are those kind of things just get big. They're a great resource that people bookmark and come back to again and again. Um, but Corbett, at the same in the same way, all of the big I'd say like like um, right epic right that was mm-hmm. that was visceral, that was raw, yeah, that was honest. That was a really useful the same exact thing like you were just saying. So I suspect if we look back at, at a lot of people's biggest posts. There's something personal about it. There's something, uh, there's something inspired about it. You know what I mean? There's something inspired mm-hmm. about it. Well, yeah. you, used, you used the word connection too when you were talking before. And I think connection is always super important with your true fans. But on top of that, uh, we're living in a time now where connection has kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit in, in a lot of ways with a lot of these online brands. So it's kind of like coming back in vogue, I feel, where if you can oh, yeah. foster connection, you almost have a way to stand out that wasn't a possibility before. Because a lot, like I'm just thinking about Instagram, for example, and we've talked about this a little bit recently here on the show, but you know, people aren't looking for like beautifully styled photos of coffee. That's not what people are looking for. So if you can show a little bit of who you are when you're coming across online, um, that is now something that will make you stand out. And I think people right. overlook that because they're like, okay, my life's not that interesting, but it's not about your life being interesting. It's about people feeling like there's another human being on the other side of the <laughs> Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. It's not about your life being interesting. It's about you being interested in your life. Right, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's like we're literally, this is what I think about Joe Rogan because I've just, I, I've just studied this guy. He's got the single largest audience on the face of the planet, right? The biggest single like thing. And now I, you know, fact check me on that, someone please, because I, I heard it from someone I trust, but I honestly, I never looked it up. The point is he's got a massive audience. We don't even know how big it is, but it's bigger than Fox and ABC and NBC combined. Right. It's like this insanity thing. And I'm like, what's he doing? The only thing I've listened to a lot of him now, the only thing I can see that he's doing is he's being totally comfortable with being himself and sending out an authentic signal 
about the, and forcing himself to be interested in stuff on, on like live broadcast, you know? So he gets people he's interested in. He gets, he, he talks about topics that he's interested in or they, that he sees are important or whatever to him, just to him. So he's just literally broadcasting authentic interest, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, cause to me, I can broadcast authenticity. Um, and a lot of times I'm just authentic about my depression or something like that. And it's not necessarily the most, <laughs> the most, I don't know. I don't know if I want to build my audience around that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to pepper that in, but, um, but to have an actual interest that gives you energy, that's a whole other ball game. I love that. That, that to me, it's like we're moths to a flame. I just see when someone sends an authentic signal, literally people are powerless to resp- like, they, they, yeah. they're forced to respond to it. Whether mm-hmm. you see someone at the, at the, at like, you know, at the supermarket, in person, the cafe or whatever, or someone online. Like you just, even if it's weird and it's hokey, you start paying attention. And there's something you end up liking about it because you can, oh, this person's real, you know? So the, the realness, yeah. the honesty yeah. does serve connection. And connection to me is like, like you said, Steph, the, the like, like the final point here is like the, like we have like a deficit of connection. You're just talking about online brands. I'm saying like even in the families, like in the family that I grew up in and the family that most of my friends grew up in, you know, we're still craving connection. We're craving mm-hmm. a kind of brotherhood, a sisterhood, a, uh, like, you know, a village orientation. And so many of us are fighting for it. And I think that's what the political game becomes for us, but it's not a very good arena to foster that. It's just like, it's like a, it doesn't really get you into full connection the same way. And, and I find that man, media, is like, especially like what you're listening to right now, the sound of our voice. I think it's all communicated through voice. You can get a lot of it through written and you can get uh, maybe even a little bit more through video. Uh, if you've got the time to sit and stare at someone, definitely. But through the voice and all of these different places that we, that we are like, that we can listen to podcasts now, driving or cooking or running or exercising or whatever. It's like, so we can plug in someone's voice during that time and all the authenticity comes through the voice. I think it's such a powerful form of media, right? And so all of that is under the umbrella to me of connection. If you can actually connect with someone, typically that comes through vulnerability. See Brene Brown's work for that. And, and that is like where a real audience starts resonating, I think. I think but that, part of the- go for it. I was just going to say, I think part of the power of that and the way to tap into it is you have to make sure that people can see themselves in the story that you're sharing. This is huge. And this goes back to like one of my favorite concepts that I learned when I was doing a bunch of sales training before I ever did the things that we do now online. And um, we would have this little example of this where we would ask our audience the question, hey, last time you went to a wedding and the photos came out on Facebook, you started flipping through them. Who are you looking for in the photos? Yeah. And I was like, don't even pretend it was the bride and groom. You were looking for yeah. yourself. You were trying so to see true. if you had your pants on your head, if you looked too drunk, if you were dancing, whatever was going on. And yeah. the point of that is, people, as selfish as it sounds, all of us as human beings, we attach to stories that we can see ourselves in. And yeah. th- the lack of connection happens when it's too brittle, when it's not real life, when people can't, vi- like, that vibing with it, that connection feeling comes from, wow, yeah, I've been there. Like, yeah, I've had to podcast on my bedroom floor because my kids asleep in the other room and I talk really loud. I posted this on Instagram yesterday and a bunch of people replied to it because mm-hmm. a lot of us are building businesses that way. So people have to be able to truly see themselves in the story. So if anyone's listening to this and you're like, okay, great guys, but how do you connect? 
you have to make sure you're sharing something that has some a universal quality to it. That you know, if you're talking about how entrepreneurship is hard, then the talk about that because we've all felt that way. Think about things that people are going to see themselves in, and then that I think is like you said, Chase. That like feeling that you can't help but come to the table of conversation that comes from somebody raising their hand saying, "You know what? Like I've been there too." Yeah, and, yeah, and I think that don't you feel like that starts from empathy? Like actually mm-hmm. thinking totally. about the people you're talking to, yep. um, putting yourself in their shoes, or even going one, one step people. further to like, sorry, Corbin, but going one step further to to just paying attention to what it's like for you, and yep. then making the cognitive leap that like, oh, I bet other people are struggling like that too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like it's the empathy is really the feeling that I'm not that different from you. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you can feel it, I can feel it. And if I can feel it, maybe you can feel it. And to me, that's like, that's it. That's what, like, that's what platform-based business looks like. It looks like if I can feel it, you can feel it too. I'm going to step out and trust that, that the people who feel like this are going to find me. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like crazy. Sorry, Corbin. I totally stepped on you for that, but I just like, just like was coming out. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And well, and, and empathy is a, a skill and it's something that I think becomes harder and harder as you've been, you know, doing something for a long time because you can, kind of get away from the life that you lived when you were more like your listeners or your followers, whatever. Um, And you mentioned something earlier about writing versus podcast versus video. I, you know, I believe that you can build true fans over any medium. Some are maybe more conducive to others. And I, I agree that podcasting um, has a certain quality about it, but it also has a lot of competition. Writing can also do some amazing things, but it, takes more work i think to, to get yeah. good at it you know and i think that i think what's so important about that conversation is like the media that you're making what is this media right because if you think it's just written form and you're thinking about a chapter in a book or an essay you read in college and that's the kind of effect you want to have well you've got to be in college to read an essay that you read in college people just don't read those do you know what i mean this is this is why medium happened because it's like the medium of medium is actually a specific kind of written thing, right? And so if you do that, you're playing within the boundaries of what people are expecting to find, what they want to find. Everybody wants to find um, like thousand true fans, man, or Seth Godin's articles, right? They're just like, you just get them. They're just little morsels and they get you. They just, they just get you, right? Yeah. He can do that because he's a Buddha. Both those guys, Kevin Kelly, that thousand true fans is like a, not a long article. Nothing he used to write back then was all that long. You know, it was just like, here's the point I'm trying to say. Here's what you need to get to get it. I know you're in a rush and this will probably be helpful even in this small little dose, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, so writing can, can take on all these different forms. And, and I see people not understanding the field of the media that they're, that they're pursuing or something like that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, I think if, if you think that you can just kind of, blurt out some some thoughts in written form and have it be as effective as that would be if you were podcasting then you're not understanding the the format writing does take some extra work to get there because people can just understand so much from the quality of your voice and the way that you're saying things whereas with writing you literally have to come up with new words to express what you're feeling so so um, i'm curious corbett for you like what is what is the like, what is the word? If you had to tell someone the word about true, about cultivating true fans, if you had to pick like one concept, what would you pick? Well, uh, 
looking at the ones that we've talked about so far, uh, I really do love authenticity. That one Mm -hmm. really strikes me, but authenticity is one of those things that it's like, okay, great. Be authentic. What does that mean? Well, it means different things to different people. So for you, Chase, being authentic, I think is being raw and honest, right? Yeah. That's part of your authenticity. Um, Steph, your authenticity would be dependability and, Mm -hmm. and, um, that sort of, I'm looking out for you quality. You've called yourself Mm -hmm. the den mama a lot of times. So you're dependable and you're there for people. That's very authentic to who you are. For me, I would say, um, one of the things that I look for in a, in a piece that I feel like is going to do well, whether it's a blog post or, or, um, a video or something for me, it's not, it's, it's often contrarian, not for its own sake, but it's saying something that others might be afraid to say or uh, is kind of cutting through the the current feeling out there. So with um, with 1000 True Fans, you know, Kevin Kelly probably wrote that at a time where everybody was thinking like, I got to get famous on social media, right? And so he said something that runs contrary to that and makes people take note because it's a new interesting thing to think about. I think right epic was that sort of thing for me as well. So yeah. um, authenticity matters. And I think that's a, a secret ingredient for everyone, but the way that you are authentic will be different depending on who you are. And a lot of this, you know, we talked, we started this entire podcast series, almost 300 episodes talking about finding your voice. And when we say finding your voice, I think that often means your authentic, your authenticity, your authentic voice, where, yeah. Where are you most comfortable and, and most, uh, relatable, most connectable? When they, when they work with political candidates, they try to figure out how can we make this person feel authentic because they mm-hmm. realize that's what it takes to get someone's vote. And yeah. we're trying to do more than just get someone's vote. We're trying to get someone yeah. to follow us for years and, mm-hmm. uh, and buy things from us. So yeah. you're trying to figure out how can we make this person authentic? And you, sometimes you see it fails horribly. Because somebody just can't find their voice. Maybe someone who lost the election last time. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. who, who will go unnamed. But mm-hmm. it's, it, it's incredibly important. And so when you see someone come along. Well, no, hold on. That, that Hillary example is a great example, man. It's such a good example because she had the smartest minds in the Democratic Party, one of the biggest powers in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they were, they were, they were running the numbers. They were figuring things out. They were like, what should we do? Here's the strategy. Here's what we want you to do, right? And she's just at a point in her life where she's just, tell me what to do. Like, she's just mm-hmm. played the political game for so long that she just knows, like, like we got to do this here. We got to do that over there. Trump did the same. I mean, I guess Trump didn't do it that much. I mean, Trump just is like, he just trolls his way through every interaction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a, like a damn ogre. But, but with, with Hillary is such a perfect Im- example of this because there wasn't, a signal coming through. Do you yeah, know what I mean? You exactly. didn't get, you never mm-hmm. got the vibe. And, right. And the, and the hard thing about that for her is you can listen to interviews of people who have worked closely with her. Right. And they love her. They say she is yeah. incredibly smart, driven, hardworking, all the things that you would want. And for some reason it falls apart when she's in front of a camera. When or she tries to debating. dumb herself down for the masses. 
That's what that's what she's and, doing and in that her may head. Be. Right? And, and that, but and that's a, the interesting interesting thing about the thousand true fans versus trying to be yeah. massively famous. Yes. And I think that happens to a lot of people when you go, you know, their first album was amazing and then mm-hmm. their sophomore effort was just crap. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. The word that comes to mind for me that's consistent with this conversation is integrity. And I think as you get deeper into your journey as someone growing a business, man, uh, your integrity gets called into question, yeah. I think, personally. And what I mean by that is, especially right now in you know late 2018, I have seen uh, a lot of talk about systems and doing things the right way in business and your uh, the way that you choose to organize yourself. And if you don't do it this certain way, if you don't have a workflow, if you don't you know use these project management tools, then you're not a, a real entrepreneur. And I think a lot of people lose themselves to the like systemizing of this whole thing. And uh, my favorite example I've seen of this lately, I'm not going to name who this person is, but you know, I keep up with people who are big in the same circle that I run in. And I attended, I was like poking around on this person's website and I was looking at uh, some workshops, some webinars that she was offering. And I attended one of them. And uh, I don't know if this would be clear to like someone who hasn't been at this for a while, but it was very clear to me that she was pretending that this webinar was live Mm. and it was very much not live. I have no problem with um, non-live webinars. I personally, it's probably something I will experiment with eventually, but you will never see me trying to pretend like it's live. Like literally to the point where it's like, she's pretending to check the comment box. Okay. (laughs) And like, Oh, people are saying this. It's like, this is total Uh, bullshit. mm -hmm. And like to me, this person's very talented and she knows what she's talking about, but I will never buy something from her now because there's just something about that that's like, no, that's you, you deceive me. That there's a trust that's broken there. It's like that's not what real people do to one another. Yeah. So that integrity piece is huge, I think. Yeah, well, that's yeah. that's that's a real dicey situation right there, right? Because I you could look at this and go to the person who purchased this off of Facebook advertisement or something, and now they're on their you know twenty a $49 webinar that's going to teach them the something, something, something. They're signing up for a webinar. They think they're getting something live, which is to say in person. Their experience probably would be zero different if it was actually live versus if it's not. Like that comment that was recorded yeah. live, right? So they're, you're like kind of watching the live broadcast. <laughs> See all the ways that like, it's like, <laughs> it's like at McDonald's used to have like, like in quotes, like 100% pure beef because they like had a beef company called 100% pure beef. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's so crazy. That, that's like, that is right where the entrepreneurship game is played is what you're willing to do. And I see commerce online technology, the way that it evolves with commerce, the, for the lowest common denominator is, is, is the thing I want to talk about as our very last point. So let me pause for a second and because uh, I think I want to want to hear you guys' point uh, or point of view on this, but Corbett, let's hear who our sponsors are today. All right, uh, we got a couple of words from sponsors today, and the first you guys should be familiar with by now because they have been with us for a long time, and we have been with them for a long time, and that is Gusto. Gusto does HR, payroll, and benefits, and they have over 60,000 companies nationwide using their platform because it's just amazingly simple HR, payroll, and benefits. We use them for payroll. We pay employees. We pay contractors. They take care of all of that gnarly paperwork that each state wants from you about, you know, when did somebody start and 
you know, are they paying their taxes properly and blah, blah, blah. Gusto makes sure that all of that stuff is done for you in a really easy to use, delightful interface. Mm. So if you head over to gusto.com slash fizzle, you can get three months free payroll which is fantastic. And if you guys are paying contractors, I know this applies to a lot of people here. If you use a platform like Gusto, they're going to file all that end of the year paperwork for you to make sure that you're sending the 1099s and all that stuff. So don't just pay a contractor with a check or something. You need to use a system like this. And Gusto is super easy and super reasonably priced. So check that out at gusto.com slash fizzle. And next, we have a new sponsor for us. They just came on last week, and this is Discover.Bot. They are an online community for bot creators. Amazon Registry Services, Inc. created Discover.Bot to serve as a platform-agnostic digital space for bot developers and enthusiasts of all skill level skill levels to learn from one another, share their stories, and move the conversation forward together. Bots, we're talking about... Those little chat bots that come up on your screen when you visit a website. We're talking about Alexa and, and Google and Siri. Those are all different kinds of bots. And so they're creating a community where people can learn together and you can visit them over at discover.bot slash fizzle. And when you do that, they have an entire beginner's guide to bots. If you're curious about them, about what's possible with them, about how they might benefit your business, visit discover.bot slash fizzle. Love it. Love it. Okay. So we've only got a few minutes left. So here's, here's where I think, here's where I think this whole thing comes together. All right. This is where all of this conversation about authenticity, trust, consistency, rawness, honesty, connection, uh, empathy, Hillary Clinton, integrity, money, direct relationship, right? <laughs> I'm just going through my notes. Um, and all of that, to me, it all culminates and reaches a climax at the moment you're asking them to enter their credit card information, right? This is the very moment of when a true fan is made because the truth is you only need to do this one time. You get them to pay for something and then you fulfill you like you blow their expectations out of the water or you give them what they were expecting or you give them the experience an experience that is memorable with your thing right up until then it's all smoke and mirrors it's all podcast and blog and it's all like oh maybe we should get together and like oh that'd be so fun oh yeah we'll bring the kids like whatever you know it's all this stuff until yeah. the rubber meets the road in that moment and that i think the commitment to that is what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur and not just a politician or a, a popularity contest uh, contestant. You know, it, it's like, this is how I'm paying for my baby's oatmeal. Do you know what I mean? This is how my family's going to Disneyland. This is how my wife and I get to retire. This is how like I get to have enough money to visit the dentist regularly. This is how I take care of myself. And if I'm going to take care of anybody else, I got to take care of myself, right? It's almost like it's all of this is just squeezed out in this one little moment, you know, this one little moment of Zen where someone out of, out of, out of authenticity, out of an authentic desire, purchases your product, enters their credit card information, begins your course, starts your book, waits for Amazon Prime to deliver it in two days, installs your chat bot, whatever it is, right? 
It's like, this is where you make your true fan. It's to me, why I'm such a product guy, you know, is, is I think that the product does all of the relational touch points with the person that, that results in their connection and trust to the brand, thus accentuating or, or, um, you know, making it more likely that they will become a true fan for a long period of time. As Kevin Kelly says, it's easier to keep and foster like new fan, like, like current fans than to go and get new ones, you know? Um, so anyways, what do you guys think? Corbin, what do you think of that? Like just that moment drawing it all together. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, you know, it's funny because um, we have in this hour presented our approaches to building true fans. And I don't want to make it sound like these are the only ways to create true fans, to cultivate true fans, because people do it in all kinds of different ways. Uh, you know, some people do it mostly just through their art, through their music, whatever it is. Like, you know, and, and through that art, they probably convey rawness and empathy and you know all of these things that we've been talking about but it doesn't always have to be this sort of one-on-one thing and there are also contrary examples you know i you could refute everything that we just said with one word mm. and that is trump yeah right you yeah. can but i, I don't you, know you I, I see him more true fans than almost anyone right exactly right but 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 you can, interestingly, you can check off at least three out of the six things that we talked about today. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. he, he lies through his teeth every Tons. day, but he's raw yeah. and he's authentic to yeah. who he is and he has empathy for the people that follow him. Yeah. So, you know, you, I think can also pull some of these levers really hard and they can kind of overcome other things. Right. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying I, I recognize that there are different ways to build true fans. Right. But, but to kind of circle back to that, to the, what you were bringing up, Chase, and, and, uh, to the beginning of, of the show, the top of the show, it, it all does really come down for us as entrepreneurs to that point where someone has to make a decision about purchasing something from you because that's what you're trying to do here. You're trying to make an exchange of value with people who have chosen to follow you. Mm. And the exchange of value eventually comes down to, I'm going to make your life better in some way and you're going to pay me for it. And if you have a thousand of those people and you charge a hundred dollars in a year, then you can make a good living. Or if you charge a thousand dollars and you only need a hundred of those people, you know, there's all kinds of different ways that that mm. math works out. But the point is of the article, the point that I take away is that there is another way than just trying to be the, the shiny thing or the dancing monkey or whatever, you know, trying to get a million people to, to, think that you're pretty on Instagram or whatever, or that you make the cleverest, you know, little, um, photos. There are mm-hmm. real connections you can make with real people. And, and sure that social media stuff might, might help and it might funnel some people into your true fan pool. Yeah. Uh, but that should be the goal is to move people from those more superficial places because that superficial stuff is fleeting, you know, yeah. it can come and go, very quickly with the fashions and the whims and the platforms. So try to make true fans and then you'll be sitting here like the rest of us and, and you'll have stories about people who have followed you for the past eight years from some little blog that you started way back when. Um, and now you're onto some new project and those people are still following you because you were consistent. You yeah. were raw. You were human. 
authentic, mm-hmm. you had empathy, and you had integrity. Right. All of those things matter. Right. Love it. Steph, any final words here? Uh, what really stands out to me, it came to me when Corbett was reading us the passage in the beginning, and it's still so true, is I just want this to resonate with people just thinking about how doable this thing really is it's so refreshing like i know this to be true myself as an example many other people that i know who've built really successful things um by just connecting every time i'm reminded of this that it doesn't like you don't have to be oprah even though it'd be really cool to be oprah you don't have to be tony robbins um I just want people listening to realize that that you can have the things that you want to have, the life you want to build, just by finding your people. It's something that you can go out there and start doing right away. I know when I was first getting started, I thought it was going to take hundreds of thousands of people. And it's been so refreshing to see just how much that's not true. I mean, you would be blown away to see how many people out there have very small, in the scheme of things, very small audiences and are making a great living. And so I hope this episode's been inspiring for people out there who are afraid some people out there are very repelled by the idea of being on a huge stage you know some people love that idea others not so much and the cool thing is you don't have to if you never want to be on a stage that big there is absolutely no requirement it's totally possible to build a very profitable business by just finding your people and serving them really really well so that idea never fails to pump me up as an entrepreneur personally and i hope that i hope it has the same effect on others yeah love it okay guys that is episode 294 of the Fizzle Show. You can get all the links and all of the notes that we of the stuff we talk about here at fizzleshow.co slash 294. That's fizzleshow.co slash 294. And while you're at it, since you're a listener of the, of the podcast, you get five weeks for free of Fizzle. Just go fizzle.co slash try five. You can try out all the courses, community, weekly coaching calls for independent entrepreneurs. That's all free. And then when you need to pay for it, it's like $39, $35. How much is it, Corbett? How much is it now? a month, man. Nada. Que hora. Por favor. Hasta la vista, baby. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Bye-bye. Talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show.